0: Hey guys, it's Rebecca. I just wanted to let you know, in case you didn't, that we recently launched my first fragrance. I'm so proud of it. I think the smell is amazing. I created it for you, for me, and uh, it doesn't actually involve any compromises. It's vegan, sulfate and phthalate free, cruelty free. My goal was to create something that marked all your milestone moments, but that didn't compromise your and others' health. And it's environmentally friendly with sustainable packaging. So head over to my website, RebeccaMinkoff.com, and check out my first fragrance. Hi, everyone. Today's guest is Tova Hayim, the founder of Bodily. Have you ever thought about how taboo it is to talk about what happens after you give birth? Well, Tova is seeking to address that, not only with articles that are medically backed, but also with products that make you feel a little bit better after having gone through what I call war. Take a listen. Welcome. Thank you. So for uh, my
1: listeners, will you tell me what bodily is? Sure so bodily is a resource uh, that is addressing inadequately addressed areas of women's health uh, and unfortunately that's really broad uh, there's a lot of areas of women's health that just don't have good information or quality products we had to start somewhere so we're focusing in initially on birth recovery pregnancy recovery and breastfeeding and the way that we try and address those areas is through sort of a two-fold strategy one where we provide information um, that is backed by clinical research, and then we have a panel of advisors uh, who are medical professionals who go through the articles that we write before we publish them, um, so we provide information that's quality information so you can understand what's going on with your body during these like incredibly transformative times, hopefully understand what's going to go on with your body before you get there so you can be prepared both emotionally as well as with the products that you need. And then we also provide the products that help you get through this time. And um, a lot of the products that are on the market today are kind of baseline medical products, and they feel like they're really medical products. Uh, and we sort of felt like, that's not really serving women well um, by just giving you kind of like the generic medical stuff that's available for these really intensive um, times. And so uh, for those products where we felt like people are just not being served well, we've designed and or formulated and manufactured them, kind of leveling them up to what we believe are modern consumer expectations. Wow. Wow. You know, it's funny, every
0: single person who I meet who
1: has a baby
0: is like, why didn't anyone tell me? Why didn't anyone? And I'm like, either people tried and you weren't listening or no one really did tell you. But I feel like there's so much like, oh, shit, Uh that happens. And everyone prepares just for maternity leave, but not returning to work, which is its own set of challenges. So do you aim to cover both?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that both of those are really um, intense periods of time in people's lives. And I think there's inadequate resources in general, for whether it's information or the products that are available. Um, and it sort of disproportionately impacts women because we bear the um, physiological burden. And I think that that's, that's really tough and just kind of unfair. And so I want to tackle that from the side of just prepare you for what is to come. Um, hopefully, you can have your expectations set ahead of time so you're not Blindsided in the way that I was, um, and have the products available. And then when you're re entering the workforce, if that's what you want to do, give you the resources to help you do that. Uh, so, information and products again. So
0: was your own experience what inspired Bodily? Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. So take, take, <laughs> take me
1: there. What were you doing before and then what happened? Sure. Yeah. So I was um, at a high growth startup uh, and we, as is often the case in a high growth startup, it's like a very kind of intense environment um, and we needed to do fundraising and I was the CFO um, of this company. And uh, so we needed to go out and do fundraising, which is very typical, but I was pregnant at the time. <laughs> And it just so happened that the, um, that the capital raise kind of directly coincided with the birth of my first child, um, which was sort of unfortunate timing, but just sort of like the way that the cards fell. Um, and that was fine. I kind of like, you know, could have generally navigated that. But um, what was really difficult is that no one told me ahead of time what was going to happen to my body in the recovery, not just from birth, but the recovery from pregnancy, which I feel like is something that we don't recognize culturally Mm -hmm. somehow. We don't talk about the fact that your body goes through this transformative experience for nine months, and it doesn't just like, there's no such thing as bouncing back or snapping back. It takes a long period of time and some intensive physiological processes to get back to whatever it's going to get back to. right, um, And nobody nobody told me those things. And I have lots of friends who have babies. I have family who have had babies. I had a dual. I have an OBGYN. Like, I had a lot of resources. And I go, like, deep in the internet. And I was not able to find um, information. I, I mean, I, I definitely Googled it. And I wasn't able to find information that actually told me what I needed to prepare for. And so I went through this process where I was just, like, successive crises over and over again that were entirely preventable. Um, I didn't know that I was going to bleed profusely for an extended period of time. And so I thought I might be dying, which is sort of reasonable when you have that much blood coming out of your body. It's a lot of blood. And I gave birth by C-section. And so it was very not expected. Um, and you know, the fact is, is that that's very normal to bleed profusely for up to 45 days is the process that your body goes through. And if you understand the physiology of it, just the basic physiology of it, it, makes a ton of sense. Right. Your uterus grows by 500 times. Like, there's other stuff in there apart from the baby. You have the baby, but, like, the rest of the stuff has to come out also for your uterus to come back to that size. So, like, it's, it's simple. If we just talked about these things, then I wouldn't have had that moment of thinking that I was dying or later when I was uh, waking up with night sweats and like, you know, just v- having hot flashes. I thought that I had an infection and again thought that I might be dying. I wasn't. That's just normal. My feet grew permanently. I had oh, no, no idea.
0: Mine <laughs> grew, but they hair. shrunk back and I'm so thankful.
1: <laughs> My hair fell out. Right. You know, there's all of these things that are just totally normal. And if I had known ahead of time, it would have made the whole ride so much easier. And so I couldn't believe that, that that happened. Um, And then there was the process of like, you know, I had a C-section, I needed to wear underwear that was going to clear my incision. So I needed to wear high-waisted underwear. I didn't have high-waisted underwear before I had my C-section. So I went to the market and I ended up buying granny panties and I put them on it. It felt so horrible. And then I went to the market and I went to get a nursing bra and I like tried so hard to get a nursing bra that I was going to love. And it just, these are bras that I would just never otherwise concede to wear. And you're kind of like layering thing on thing on your body that are things that you would never otherwise concede to purchase or wear while you're going through all of these little crises, while you're also trying to keep a small human alive, (laughs) right? So like, it's, it's a lot. And I just felt like, so much of this is preventable. So much of this doesn't have to be this way. And so after enough of that and going back to work and having to pump at the office and trying to find things that would enable me to do that more easily, and I was like lugging so much stuff back and forth to the office and like having to get half undressed at the office in order to pump milk for my son. And it was just, it was so, so much. And I could not believe that, this is what we are serving women in this day and age. You know, I, I happen to be very fortunate to have a lot of resources available to me and it was really, really hard. And I can't even imagine um, if you don't have all of those resources available to you, how hard that is. Yeah. And so that was kind of it. That was like a breaking point for me. I was like, this this can't be, I can't see this and then walk away from it. Right. I I have to just get in and make a change. And so that was basically the the decision point to start bodily. I come from an investing career before I kind of got into startups, and so uh, getting my arms around a market and trying to understand, like, you know, um, what what's the market size is something one of the like um, skills that you sort of hone in that in that role. And so the first thing that I did is look at the market and say, like, maybe there's not a market here. Maybe that's why there's, you know, such like paltry options available. That's not the case. Right. There's a market. There's no economic rationale for this. Right. That's when it became clear to me that what's going on is that these topics, what happens to the human body after you have this fundamentally human experience of childbirth, it's just taboo we don't talk about it. Right. And because we don't talk about it and because, you know, men have been running tampon companies for like the last however many <laughs> years or decades, um, we're basically left with, this is what we serve women in the market. And that was like, that was it. That just kind of incensed me. And I was like, I got I to gotta get out there and make a change.
0: And so that was the beginning. So how old was your baby when you started bodily?
1: He was uh, nine months, a year, something like that. Okay.
0: Yeah. So did you leave your, did you come back from
1: maternity leave and go back to work for what, like nine months? And then you said that's it? I didn't, I didn't really do maternity leave. Okay. So I went back to work after um, like 10 days, uh, which Are was you kind kidding of me? insane. <laughs> oh my
0: god! Yeah. Because you
1: had to or you wanted to? Um, I mean, it, it was, I definitely wanted to um, and didn't, didn't know what, was going to happen to my body. And so right. I just, I didn't know how hard it would be. Um, and so kind of committed to do something that I think I just like didn't fully understand the difficulty of. And so, yeah, so I, I we basically, we were fundraising and we started um, taking investor meetings from my apartment because I'd had a C-section and like couldn't really walk. <laughs> I've had one real maternity leave and
0: it was actually ironically my middle, my middle one. And I was like, I know what I'm in for, so I'm going to take it even if I go stir crazy. So I forced myself to take it. How long did you take? I took three months. Oh, wow. Good for you. Yeah. Oh my I gosh. mean, I worked. It's not like I was off the grid. Yeah. But with my second, I mean, my third, I was like, fuck this shit. I got to get out. I can't stay inside with a baby all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so you're how, how long into bodily are you now? Coming on two years. Okay. Yeah. And have you experienced... Uh, challenges when you went t- to fundraise or people being like, this is not, there is no market because we're men and we can't see why you'd need sexy looking post birth panties. Totally. So I, um, so I even I- sexy, just like
1: not ugly
0: so, right? so
1: totally, yeah, yeah, no, it's just it's just like stuff that you would feel good buying. So yeah, so when I first started it, I, I spent a lot of time like doing the research on the market and kind of getting my arms around it. And um, there's a lot of setup time, as I'm sure you know. Um, and then when I, when I was kind of ready to go out and start raising money, I sort of looked at it and I was like, I am trying to start a business about a topic that people don't talk about and that we largely ignore and don't acknowledge is a problem. A, uh, so got to kind of like convince you that that there's a problem here that needs to be solved, and then B, I'm a woman and I am trying to going to be trying to fundraise in a market where clearly women uh, are disproportionately, um, significantly disproportionately underfunded relative to men, and then C. I'm going to be fundraising to men predominantly uh, for like vaginal care products. <laughs> so I've got a steep hill. <laughs> and, uh, and so I set my sights really low. I set my target really, really low. And I was like, I'm just going to like raise a very little bit and I will be very happy with that. And this will go slow going. Um, and when I went out uh, to the market, I was really like quite shocked that I was able to raise a substantial amount of money in a very short period of time. And the majority of my investors are male investors. And what I found was that this is just a universal issue. Mm -hmm. It is something that we don't talk about. It's true. Women are underfunded. Kind of all of those things are true. But these men who I was speaking to are fathers, their brothers, their husbands, uh, their friends to people who have given birth, and so they've seen it and they know that it's a thing that we're just not talking about. Right. Uh, and so I was really heartened um, that men were able to get behind it and like pretty quickly. Yeah. So yeah. So it ended up. It ended up not being nearly as difficult as I expected that it was going to be. So how do you think more women could start
0: talking about it? Because I feel like a woman's default is family and kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I was refreshingly surprised to have coffee with an entrepreneur I admire. And she talked about how much money she made the whole time and how she did it. And I was like, yes, how do you do that? Like, so how do we get more women to talk about these things?
1: I think that – I actually think that people are ready right now to talk about these things. And I think that just from the time that I started thinking about starting bodily um, and was honestly like a little embarrassed to talk to people about my idea because people were so not talking about it at the time, the the culture has really shifted kind of tremendously, Mm -hmm. I think, to where now – there's there's sort of like a natural readiness, and I th- I think that what we're what we're finding the responses, and and probably like the first inkling of that response was when I went to fundraise. Um, but what we're finding the responses generally is people are like, hell yeah, thank you for talking about this, thank you for giving us an outlet. It's messed up that we're all dealing with this and that nobody's talking about it. Right. Um. And and we're ready. So I don't know. Maybe it's just the like cracking it open and saying like, we're going to talk about this. Right. And you can join in on the conversation. It's Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to talk about my vagina. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I might have I might have told the story on this podcast, but I remember being at a dinner with a lot of really smart people who all had their own startups and a, and a gentleman had an underwear company and he leaned across the table and he's like, I'm surveying like women. What's like your favorite brand of lingerie? And he did it like in this like, And I was like, well, when your vagina has been blown open by three children, you just want to feel comforted and hugged. And so I just like to be like tight boy shorts. Like there's no thongs. There's nothing lacy that could stretch. And he was like... But you could tell he was like, whoa, this is not dinner conversation. And I was like, this is dinner conversation. Yeah,
1: this needs to be dinner conversation (laughs) because the fact is, is that giving birth is a necessity that we have as humans. Like, (laughs) There is no other way for humanity to perpetuate itself without childbirth. Right. So this isn't like a male-female thing. This is like a human thing. And if we aren't talking about what that entails, um, I think that that's a problem for every Everyone and, and it obviously affects women disproportionately, but I strongly hold the view that we need to stop thinking about this as a women's issue. Right. This is a human issue and totally. we just need to be like human to human. This is how it all works. Right.
0: <laughs> so what have been some of the unexpected or expected challenges in having your own business and or being a mom of a young baby and having a business growing?
1: I think that... I mean, one thing is, you know, we forget about, like, put aside the fact that our mission is to deal with inadequately addressed areas of women's health, which is, like, so huge. Um, But just focusing in on the place where we're launching into birth, recovery, pregnancy, recovery, and breastfeeding, whether it's what we're addressing right now, which is the kind of aftermath, um, the immediate aftermath, or um, looking forward into how do I help you get back to you, feeling like you, whatever that is. It's going back to work. It's re-entering the world in whatever way you want to. It's so big. Um, there's so much there. And so I think one of the challenges that I've really struggled with is, you know, I, I want to fix it. I want to just like make it all better. And there's really only so much you can do at any given time. And so prioritizing and saying, I'm going to solve this part now, and I know that there's this other part that's really important to address. And I just can't do that now because if I do that now, I won't be able to do this really well. Right. Um, and knowing that you are leaving people and problems unaddressed, yeah, I find to be really hard. But we've also just sort of like through experience realized that you have to just say, this is what I can handle now. Yep, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it well, and then I will move on to the next thing.
0: Yep, it's good that you're prioritizing, I guess, right? Because I get, I get like, oh, that's shiny and new, and that's bright. No, that needs fixing, and oh, this is exciting, and then I'm like, I'm, I'm doing a half, a
1: half-ass job on all of it. Totally. Yeah. 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 And and especially given like the area that we're dealing with, which is you know health. Right. Um. We we sort of feel like we just, we can't do
0: that. Right. So what is your customer base uh informed you of and then you've developed because of it?
1: Ooh, good question. I mean, actually the our initial suite of products um is all informed by conversations with Prospective customers. Um, so we started out with um, started out with an idea, and sort of my experience, and then kind of diving deep into the research, and then and then did some focus groups and talked to people about what their experiences were, and said, you know, this is the problem that we're trying to address. This is how we're thinking about addressing it, and got some really great feedback and some things, some ideas that were just totally not on my radar because it just wasn't my personal experience um, that was incredibly helpful. Um, And so we've that initial, those initial focus groups that I did before kind of solidifying the slate of products and offering that we were going to go out with were so informative um, that I've tried to keep up with that. And uh, we have, you know, a new slate of products that we're coming out with over the course of the spring, and we definitely went straight to focus groups uh, when we were you know, did sort of the same process, like, here's the experience, here's the research, now let's talk to actual people who are totally different from us, who have varied experiences, and of course, varied perspectives, um, and feel out what their thoughts were. And of course, same uh, experience, we came back with um, new products uh, that we hadn't anticipated that we needed to roll into the offering. So what are some of the products you have now? We have a line of kits and our kits are um, postpartum kits and then breastfeeding kits because that's, you know, that's our jam. Um, and the idea is there your body goes through these changes and they're really quite transformative, but you've probably never experienced them before. And you're also trying to deal with like raising a baby. Um, and so there's a lot of new things that you need to learn about and new things that you need to deal with. And really dealing with your baby is going to be the first thing that you prioritize and dealing with yourself inevitably is going to come second. And so if that's the case and we know that that's kind of like the baseline, I want to make that process as easy as possible. And so we bundle a bunch of products together in kits um, and give you guidebooks that um, basically walk you through what happens physiologically to your body. So hopefully we get you to have set expectations ahead of time, so you're not surprised. But if you receive our products when you're in the thick of it, at least you can like understand what's happening to your body and how to use these things. Um, so we have uh, a box that we call our Care for Birth box, and that's all of the things that that no one wants to tell you that you need in the recovery from birth and pregnancy. Like witch hazel and and, a, and like a perineal spray bottle yes. and stool softener and gigantic maxi pads. I mean, there's like, it's the real stuff in there. It's And it's none of the stuff that you kind of like imagine that you want but really isn't going to help you that much. Um, it's really just like the, the real stuff, the stuff that you need. But we try and make it all feel better. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, our, our topicals are all clean ingredient and plant-based topicals and they smell nice, um, but it, they're also real. Like it's, it's like a nipple bomb and it's a plant-based alternative to lanolin. And right. it's like, yeah. So, so we have our care for birth box, uh, a care for cesarean birth box. We have a kit called the V-kit, which is the vaginal delivery recovery kit. Um, and the idea there is, you know, You get to the hospital and you sort of discover what type of birth you have. 30% of births in the United States are C-sections, and most of those are unplanned. Um, So you get to the hospital, you discover what type of birth you have, and then you can get our V kit or our C kit, and our C kit is a cesarean birth recovery kit. Um, And it's just just the fundamentals, but everything's going to feel nicer. And then we have a B kit, the breastfeeding essentials kit. We have nursing bras that don't look like nursing bras. They look like just regular bras. And by the way, if you wanted to just wear them as a regular bra, you could totally wear it as a regular bra. I'm still wearing nursing bras
0: (laughs) two years later. They're comfortable.
1: Yeah, Yeah. totally. They're comfortable because, you know, the breast health is an important thing in particular when you're lactating. um, And it's something that we kind of don't talk about. We don't really know about. There's a lot of like misinformation about. And so when we design our nursing bras, we design it together with a certified lactation consultant who is making sure that it's optimized for breast health.
0: Yeah. I had a woman, I had a friend who was like not producing enough milk and I was like, what kind of bra? And she was wearing a standard underwire that was like completely... And then she changed bras and lo and behold... Milk was being made.
1: Totally. But I mean, a standard underwire can also expose you to clogged ducts. It can expose you to mastitis. Like, there's some serious medical ailments that can result from that. And, you know, that's just another area where we just don't have good awareness. Yeah. And there's not like easy access to quality information that's easily digestible. And so, those are some of the things that we're trying to address and change. But we also just want to make it as simple as. You don't even need to necessarily think about that if you don't want to. The bras that we make are going to be optimized for breast health. We are not going to put you in a situation where we are exposing you unnecessarily to clogged ducts and mastitis. (laughs) Um, So you can get beautiful bras that are super functional, but also good for your body.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So what's next for you that you can talk about?
1: I really want to address re-entry um, into life, uh, whether that's the workplace or um, otherwise. I think that it's a, a massive gap and it's a major, major struggle. Um, so I I, I want to get out there and um, provide information and resources and also just like talk about it yeah. and make sure that people are talking about it. Because I think, you know, one of the things... That I'm really passionate about with bodily is this idea that we have a cultural blind spot around what happens physiologically in the recovery from birth um, and pregnancy. And that has really insidious consequences. Um, we have uh, a culture where, you know, 25% of women go back to work after 14 days um, after giving birth, uh, and only 16% have 12 weeks paid maternity leave. If we knew what happened to the human body in that time period, I think that it would be easier to get your head around people needing time to recover. You need to have the option to have time to recover. Totally. Um, and if we understood what it means to be breastfeeding, in particular when you're going back to work, but if we understood like the basic physiology of lactation, I think that we would serve people better when they are breastfeeding in the workplace um, and make that really kind of just challenging by nature of its situation a little bit easier. And I think there are a lot of changes that we can make that are not that dramatic, that are going to go a really long way. But if nobody's talking about it, Nothing's going to happen, right? So I really want to drive that conversation and just get it out in the open that yep. this is the way the body works, totally. And we have to we have to know that um, so that we have any desire to accommodate it. Awesome.
0: So, what's one piece of advice either you've gleaned from your entrepreneurial experience or pre-entrepreneur experience or someone gave you that you found to be really valuable?
1: Hmm. Oh, gosh, that somebody gave me that I found to be really valuable. Or that you discovered on your own that you want to pass on. I think the big unlock, I had a big unlock um, sort of halfway through my career where I realized that I needed to be doing things that fundamentally make me happy. It sounds kind of obvious, but I think it's actually really, it can be really hard to do um, to kind of come to that decision. You need to focus on things that are going to make you fundamentally happy Mm -hmm. and then just, like, rip off the Band-Aid and make the change and go for it and know that, that, you know, whatever happens, if you're pursuing something that you believe in and that is, you know, rooted in your passion and your happiness, it's going to be better. Mm -hmm. It's going to be better. I think it took me a really long time to get to a place where, I understood that, um, and since making a change, um, it's, I mean, it's had just a dramatic impact on my life, and so that's one thing that, um, that I talk to a lot of people about, um, and a lot of people, I made a big, big career change. I was in private equity for a very long time, and then moved over to work um, on the corporate side, and, um, and so a lot of people talk to me about that career change, and that's that's, like, that's, that's the thing, It's very easy to say, just follow your passion, but I, I think you actually, you kind of really have to do it because we, we really do just have this time, um, and, uh, you can't take it for granted. Nope. Definitely not. So, uh, my next and last
0: question is what would we be surprised to know about you? Oh gosh. You funny (laughs) why not? Just surprising.
1: Um, Let's see. Okay. So when I was in when I was in college, I really had my heart set on going into the CIA. Wow. <laughs> that
0: is quite <laughs> Not what I thought you were
1: gonna say. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, um, I really, really, really wanted to go into the CIA. What did you love and, about the CIA? Uh, it's it's very analytical. Okay. I, I love languages. I you know learned a bunch of languages. They come easily to me. I enjoy that. Um, I just it just sort of felt like a place where I'd be able to flex muscles that I things that I'm good at and and that I enjoy. Um, And then I found out, like, late into my senior year when I actually started, like, talking to the CIA (laughs) that uh, I was not going to be in the CIA because I'm a dual citizen and that is a real problem. Uh, And so I needed to, like, figure out—I didn't have a backup plan. that was like, that was my plan. (laughs) (laughs) And so I needed to figure out kind of late in the game what I was going to do. And it was literally um, a conversation with a friend. We were like two gigantic nerds who would like pull all-nighters in the library together. Uh, And I was like, I don't know what to do. The CIA is not going to take me. Uh, And he was like, well, why don't you go into investment banking? I was like, "What is that?" I had no idea, and he basically like threw a bunch of buzzwords out. He was like, "It's competitive. It's team oriented. You're gonna do different things every day." And I was like, "That sounds amazing!" And I had no idea what it was, um, and ended up going into it for like a string of buzzwords, <laughs> and then was like utterly lost, and ended up on this like career path that um, that I. You know, it had never, it it just, that had never been in my sights. Damn, that CIA. Take me. If you're listening, CIA, (laughs) reconsider.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. That was Toba Hayim. You can support her company by buying things for yourself or your loved ones at Bodily. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review. It's really important. It helps us with the algorithm. It helps make sure that we keep populating and being recommended to more listeners. Thank you.